0: This is your itinerary for travel and photography with your host, Rob Knight.
1: On your itinerary this week, I'm interviewing digiscopers from around the world from the first World Digiscopers meeting in Titusville, Florida. Welcome to your itinerary. My name is Rob Knight, and my guests today are award-winning digiscopers Robert Wilson, Justin Carr, and Danny Porter of Danny's Digiscoping. Um, we are all here for the uh, Space Coast Birding Festival in Titusville, Florida, and you guys are participating in the... Uh, the first World Digiscopers meeting. And thanks a lot for being on the show, guys. Thank awesome. you. I know you and day day. guys have, have come a long way, some of you. Um, well, first of all, tell me about the uh, about the event. Tell me about the World Digiscopers meeting, what that is.
0: The meeting came about, uh, I met Dale Forbes in May of last year at McGee Marsh, and uh, we went out birding for the day. And I'm a resident of Florida, local here, where the Space Coast Festival is being held, and I knew Dale would be here, and I knew that uh, other award-winning photographers of the digiscoping contest would be here. So it just popped into my mind that we should all meet in Florida in in January and mentioned it to Dale, and they Swarovski picked up on it. And we've been working on it all year long to try to get people from all over the world, the best Digiscopers in the world, to attend. We've all known each other for a long time through the Internet and Facebook, but we've never met before. So it's a very special week. Very cool. Well, it makes sense for you,
1: Rob, because you live in Florida. So it makes sense. Well, you know, we should have people from all over the world come to where I live. Come see me. And have a meeting. So (laughs) how about you guys? You're not from around here.
2: No, no, from the UK.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so what um, What about an event like this makes you guys hop on a plane and fly over to the States to talk about digiscoping?
2: Well, it, like, like Robert said, it, it was Robert's brainchild of getting this thing together. Um, we, we speak on Facebook regular, but it's just the thing, all of us getting together and meeting. Not just, we don't just talk to Robert, we, we talk to all the best, and it was just the chance. You it possibly might never happen again where we all get together, uh, all at the same place, same time. So it's just a once-in-a-lifetime thing, possibly. Yeah. So I, you, we had to do it. Sure. How about you, yeah,
3: and, and For me, it, it was um, an opportunity that was too good to be passed up. Um, I have run a Digiscoping website for, for many years, and I've always tried to encourage people to get involved um, and show them what they need to do. And then the thing is, I was at that stage of my digiscoping career uh, once anyway. And some of the people that were coming to this meetup were, were some of the people that inspired me to keep digiscoping when the times were tough. Um, and on top of that, um, the, the, the digiscopers that have broken through in, in the last few years, one of them being Robert, um, who has encouraged us, no end in the UK, to you know keep shooting, um, helping us, to improve um, not just from the camera point of view but from the photo editing point of view and um, you know we we wanted to meet these people because we felt like they were friends and they were certainly role models
1: very cool i have been (laughs) i've been involved in digiscoping like one percent for about five (laughs) minutes especially compared to you guys i got the chance to work with tara tanaka last year for at at an event and um, i just got a scope from swarovski this week today was the first time I've taken it outside. But even then, just for me paying attention to the Facebook group, uh, I was uh, ta- chatting with Robert the other day. We were talking for a minute. And he was like, "Oh, you're Rob. I'm Robert." Well, I was like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> you know." And, and the same thing with Justin. It, we, we, you know, it's interesting how that works. How those communities build online, and you almost don't even realize it. You, yeah. you don't. You don't even realize that you're making real life friends when you're Facebook. In
2: Facebook's there. been a real good tool for us all. We, if, it, if it hadn't been for uh, Facebook, we, we probably wouldn't know each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell we, me about that. Now. You know, Robert was telling me about how he got into Facebook and how it's, I mean, it's almost an accidental thing. And that's really the seed of this whole event. So tell me that story again.
0: Uh, I'm a retired photographer from Lockheed Martin for of 30 years, and I retired. And two weeks after I retired, I ended up in the Swarovski booth. So I stumbled into digiscoping. I put a scope on my camera, took it out back, and it you know it was a, something new that I'd never experienced in 30 years of doing professional photography, and it blew my mind. <laughs> so. Um, and then I just instantly got addicted to it, you know, and then I laughed at people on Facebook. It was for, you know, grandmas and their grandbabies. And so I, I, never knew the power of it. And, uh, shortly after, you know, I started, my wife mentioned, you know, post a few pictures on Facebook and I did, and there's a digiscoping group on Facebook, um, that, and Danny has a, a, a digiscoping Facebook page also from the UK. Um, and s- these friendships just developed you know through pictures of digiscope photos of birds and and it, we're lifelong friends now and the interesting thing is is that it's such a niche hobby there's so few people in the world that do it and in a matter of 2 years i've become best friends with the best people in the world that do it through social media through facebook
1: right that's it's fascinating yeah, well, yep. and tell me about that. So you already had a group together. On- well,
3: no, no, we we actually all um, we all posted um, through the one main digiscoping group that was on Facebook, run by another great American digiscoper, Mike McDowell, and um, we all we all met through there. And in the meantime, I'd started my website, and then I started a small Facebook page. And, and it was through that. Like, like Rob said, I, I met Justin and I met, and I met all these guys from around the world. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to fathom how, how one little tiny app on your phone can be so powerful in bringing people together. But, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was a, I was a, a complete critic of Facebook when it first came out. I didn't want it to know what everyone was doing. But all of a sudden there was a load of people on there talking about someone I really, really love. Right. And, and, yeah, I wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's Facebook all the way. Definitely. Wow, wow. What,
1: what was your digiscoping experience before? Well, um, I started off
2: digiscoping in, in about 98. And I started with a video camera.
0: Hmm.
2: I bought a, just a video camera. And it, all I did, I used to, for probably the first five or six years, I used to just shoot video through, and I, it was handheld, handheld, up to the eyepiece of the scope and most, a lot of it were really shaky. Uh, (laughs) Then I got, I made an adapter out of wood and that was the the first adapter really for the video camera Uh, and then probably about about 10, 11 years ago, I bought a Sony P200 compact camera Mm -hmm. and uh, that was my first stills. And at the time, it was a really nice little digiscoping camera, quite quite a big sensor for uh, for what it was. So you've got some, you've got some pretty reasonable images. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved on to Panasonic. I started off with a with the G two. Then I had a GH two. Currently on a GH three. You know, hopefully soon, uh, get a GH four. Sure. That's and most digiscopers now that. Panasonic is the the main camera of choice um, it's people digiscope is what they tend to do is they'll through Facebook they'll see what camera works and they'll see pictures posted and they'll go out and buy that camera so Panasonic now tend to Sony, there there's still quite a few using Sony rx100s mm-hmm. uh, a few use Nikon V V ones, but more and more are moving over to the GH four. Um, that's that is just the camera choice. Yeah, it's funny how that
1: works in in really any area of photography. You know, wedding photographers shoot Canon. Yeah, because the top wedding photographers shoot Canon. Yeah, it's not it's not that it makes any better or worse picture than a you know Nikon or Panasonic or anything. That's just what their heroes use, and it's the same yeah. thing in digiscoping oh, yeah. with Lumix. It's really interesting that it's not that's. One of the few areas of photography that's not just dominated by big DSLRs. It's really yeah. I
0: started with a DSLR camera the first year. I had you know I used a Canon 7D, mm-hmm. and uh, I struggled with it. It's not you know in my mind you know the bigger the sensor the bigger the camera you know from a commercial background you know that's the way to go. And then so I but I struggled with it for you know because it's got a mirror. The mirror slap is a problem with it. Um, it, focusing the electronic viewfinder in, in the Panasonic cameras, I you know I went to a GH three, that when I switched over, um, the four wasn't out yet. Right. Uh, so it, it, it was interesting to me to see that too because it, I I've held a DSLR in my hand for thirty five years and. I picked up the, you know, the Panasonic. It's so small and compact, and <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. But the second I picked that thing up, it was just incredible. It's yeah. really awesome. Very cool. Yeah.
1: Well, tell me about making wood adapters for your for your video cameras. Like that was, you weren't getting on Facebook and showing pictures no. and and interacting with digiscopers all over the place. What no. was your What was the digiscoping world like before Facebook? Uh, before well, when when
2: I, when I when I first started out with, with videoing um, I didn't even know the term digiscoping mm. I, 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 would say I'd like to, I wouldn't say I wouldn't like—I like to say I, I thought I'd invented it but I didn't know anybody else actually did it I right. just sort of I'm a bird watcher primarily and I just bought this video camera it was an impulse thing buying this video camera just went into the shop one day to buy something else came out with a video camera <laughs> and and uh, just yeah, made this made this adapter just out afterwards of wood, and it just slid on onto a, the platform, and it were, it were rough and ready, but it worked. Um, but then I use um, then I, I progressed to digital video, and after that um, I had video bought. There's uh, there's companies out there, Bird Guides in the in the UK, and they make uh, CD ROMs, uh. and they bought my Video, mm-hmm. and it's now on their CD-ROMs. And um, just recently, as well, they've updated, updated the the view some more, some more of my video that were taken years and years ago. Wow! And they've asked me now to to get more video of certain species that they need for their for their sort of the cat catalog.
1: Yeah. And
2: I've got a good camera to do it, the GH3.
1: So what what was your You know, you ended up selling the video. What was the point? And you were just filming it for your own edification basically? I mean, I I stopped doing video
2: uh, because I didn't find it a challenge anymore. hmm. It was basically just putting the the video camera up and pressing a button and just letting it record. Yeah. And when I started with stills, when I bought the the Sony P200, I just, I wanted to do more. I wanted to make it, it, I found it a challenge. And that's what that's what I do now with my digiscoping. I like to try and push the boundaries of what you can do with digiscoping. Sure. You know, like 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 I told you, digiscoping a butterfly. It's not
1: it's not easy. <laughs> with, with your binoculars. With the binoculars. That's yeah. ridiculous. I, yeah. I know that's impossible, but I've seen the picture. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well Danny, what do you think the percentage of people that come into digiscoping from birders who get in who want to take pictures through their scope versus photographers who want a super long lens. What, what's is it half and half or how does that work? No,
3: it's um, people in the UK. I would say and you might agree with me, Justin. Yeah, probably, most it, tend to be birders. They're, they're they're mostly birders, and 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 then a lot of them will have a little compact camera in their pocket that that just works perfectly for them, and they'll pull it out of their pocket, take an image, and just record it for their own own um yeah, pleasure, most, really. most are
2: quite happy to to do it as a record shot if they see if they find a rare bird they'll get the camera out of the pocket click away and it's proof right. It's proof that then they've found this rare bird um but most if they, if they either stay at that sort of stay with little compact or and then what we found is most will give it up and move to slr
3: right because they find it difficult because of you know they they see (coughs) the ease of of using a a camera and lens because sure with with digiscoping we we only use normally aperture priority or full manual mode to shoot in and a lot of people can't get their heads around that um, because yeah they rely on the autofocus they rely on automatic modes on cameras and they think they're doing okay with it um, but it's not how we would like to take a picture right but but in saying that, the the things that make digiscoping difficult with a um, with a regular camera uh, is what appeal. Uh, what makes phone scoping so appealing? Where you can put your phone over the eyepiece of your scope, uh, pinch out a little bit, focus it, click your shoot button, and you've got an image on your phone that you can do something with straight away. Right, and it's a it's a massive growing. Whereas we
2: we use using problem. the GH. Using the Panasonics, it's all manual focus. Right. Everything we do is and that, manual that focus. That was my
0: appeal to digiscoping because I, you know, I mean, I photographed a lot of things and it, it was just like what, you know, with a lot of equipment. And it was, it was, I never, it, it's the quirkiest, hardest photographic <laughs> thing I've ever done. And it's the challenge that was the appeal for me yeah that's it, interesting it, that's what that's what got me into yeah. it it was it was, yeah. Yeah. it was hard as hell
1: but you know it was just it cracks me up to read a review of a new camera and they say well it's not good for sports and wildlife because it only shoots six frames per second <laughs> yeah. and the autofocus doesn't work like a lightning bolt yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it doesn't track focus yeah and i was thinking about that this morning when i was out with the scope trying to catch birds in flight manually focus on this thing like Oh, so. yeah, this is terrible for wildlife. It's just hard. It just takes, you know, It's a challenge. Modern yeah. technology yeah. makes it really easy to do those things. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it is a challenge, it's, but it's, it, it ends up with nice stuff. Well, and the other thing is, um, go go check out one of the other booths and check out their 1,500-millimeter lens. You can't because they don't have an autofocus 1,500-millimeter lens. I think there's a 1,200-millimeter Sigma, like a giant, yeah. ridiculous Sigma that only the government uses. Yeah. But we're talking like... 1200 1500 2000 millimeter focal length there this is this is not something you can just go by well that's the funny
0: thing is that's my mission is to convert every person with a five or six hundred prime lens to digiscoping (laughs) and it and i have you know it's it's really interesting to me that you know top photographers from around the world through facebook you know they they i've gotten a fair amount of following now with digiscoping and they're amazed at the at the image quality and it, it, it has a different look. The photo sets it apart from the primes because of the telephoto and the optics, the quality of that, it flattens the image out and True. the detail that that you get with a digiscope is just incredible. Ah, oh, the
1: shallow depth of field. Yeah, You get absolutely digiscope. In well, it. and the more telephoto, the more shallow depth of field and the more compression you yeah. get, so yeah. it just compresses that even more and yeah.
3: more. A lot, I think a lot of the friction, I've, remember, I've remembered my point there, <laughs> I think a lot of the friction between conventionalists and, and digiscoping is um, set from back in the day, certainly when Justin started, I started a few years later. Um, the the camera side of digiscoping hadn't really caught up with the concepts mm. of, of what it, it was able to achieve, It, but you had, you had you had poorer quality cameras that needed the best of weather to perform. And... Um, And the thing is now, the technology has caught up with the idea the cameras, you know, the GH4 has has been a game changer. There's all the top digiscopers just about now using them. If they're not using them, they're thinking about getting them. Mm -hmm. Um, All of a sudden now, you look at uh, companies like Swarovski who have made great adapters um, that fit onto their systems. You look at um, the digidapter that can now be used on just about every scope system. The means and the connection, the fiddliness is all being taken away slowly. The cameras are easy to use. They perform better in low light. So, you know, we, we get less light through the scope than you would on a conventional lens. But you're paying a fraction of the cost. And now you can get the images that the conventionalists
0: are getting.
1: Right. I agree. And, 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 and
0: some that they can't get because of the extended yeah. telephoto. that thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, and I've seen the same thing in, in doing, I like do a lot of nature photography events. And... When I met Clay, uh, I guess a year and a half ago now at the, I watched him in the Swarovski booth and people were like, that's kind of weird, you know, whatever. And, and honestly, it was the same thing at the Lumix booth. Like, well, we don't have any really, you know, super long glass. We don't have a, you know, an 800 F4 or anything like that. So that market was kind of like, they didn't really get the connection. I don't think with the scopes and with photography and with Lumix in particular, but you know, Fast forward to today and everybody's coming to the Lumix booth and they want to know about using the GH4 with the scope. And I see everybody over at the Swarovski booth talking about, well, can you use it with the GH4? And Clay's got his GH4 hooked up to the scope. It's a marriage and made
2: in heaven, really. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think that the, the Panasonic, the GH4, it's just, that's how the, that's how the, everyone's moving.
1: And, and it seems them, so that, 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 that those two and, companies in particular yeah. are, are getting the word out. In, to a to a pretty large degree yeah um what what do you think how how come i'm hearing so much more about digiscoping now than i was a year ago even or even six months ago at events it, it just wasn't
0: that big a deal well it, i it's it is becoming more popular i think it's because of the technology the cameras and the quality of the scopes i wouldn't have gotten into scoping but, you know these guys i highly respect that's what amazes me about the people that are here. They they started from the very beginning with nothing, and they kept at it. They kept at it, and it kept progressing. And you know, until this, these new cameras and these new scopes came out, I wouldn't have touched digiscoping um, because I, the quality wasn't there. Sure. So the qu- the quality is there now, and there's there's more birding is growing, so there's a big interest in bird there's more people attending birding, there's more interest in optics, you know, to be able to see the birds. So I think that's the reason why. Yeah. And and the and then and then, you know, the the friendship that we've all developed, we're pushing out a lot of really good work. You know, there's a large yeah, group right of up. people that that, and, you know, that the internet allows people to see their work now. That, you know, people never even heard of digiscoping before. And now they're right. seeing these incredible wildlife images and they can't believe that they're being taken with the scope. So. Sure.
1: And and people who want to go on birding trips and they, you know, birders go everywhere. That's, that's yeah. the, one thing I know about birders. They don't just sit in the yard and look at birds. Yeah. Usually. They, and they, they do they, group, they,
0: they do it as a group. Right. So there's always a scope in the group. And That's how I got into it. I You know, I... I a guy was at the wetlands one day, and he had, a, he had a pair of binoculars and a scope, and I had a you know, really poor pair of binoculars. I've been chasing birds, just messing around for years. And I said, "Can I look through those binoculars?" And he said, "Sure." And I was like, "Wow. It was the first time I'd ever looked through a great pair of binoculars." And then he had a scope, and I looked through that, and I was like, That's, I, I bought my wife a pair of binoculars for a birthday that you know next month, and then you know, six months later, I bought a scope, and it enhances the experience. With wildlife, it gives you an intimacy with wildlife is the appeal for me that you see these creatures so close and you can observe them from such a distance. And, and have no impact on them. You know, you, it's not like everybody running around with their phones. The, <laughs> right. the tourists at Yellowstone, they come out of the bus with their phones and they get 10 feet from a bison or a, yeah. you know, and, and it's dangerous. So it minimizes impact on, on wildlife, which is a really great thing, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah.
3: And the way it helps minimize that impact, it's quite handy you said about that, Rob. Was, um, just talking about my own personal digiscoping setup. Um, I currently use a, a Swarovski 95mm scope. Uh, which is 30 to 70 zoom. Um, Coupled that with an adapter on my camera, which happens to be a, a Nikon 1V3 at the moment. Um, my starting focal length is 1800 millimeters. Okay, so you you multiply <laughs> you multiply the uh, focal length of the lens on the camera by the zoom of the eyepiece. So it's 25 mil times by 30. And we also then have to remember to multiply that by the crop factor of the camera, which I think is about 2.4. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone would rush out and do this, but 1,800mm is, is, a, is a long way. And certainly in terms of conventional photography, um, it just doesn't happen. You know, There isn't a, an 1,800mm lens that I know of. Um, if I wanted to zoom out on that setup, I could actually take the total focal length out to 4,200mm. <laughs> With the right conditions, it's, yeah. it's possible.
1: And when you can do that with a setup that... Um, one of the things I love about the Swarovski that I have is it, it breaks in half. Yeah. So you've got two pieces that are basically the size of a standard zoom lens. Mm-hmm. And so you can put it in a conventional camera bag. You don't have to have this giant, <coughs> you know, uh, case for it with wheels on it and everything else. I've actually...
2: I'll oh, uh, I briefly um, toyed with... Um, SLR. Mm -hmm. I bought a a second hand uh, Sigma 500 F45 uh, and an SLR. But I'm primarily a bird of first. And I found that carrying that camera around, I couldn't carry my telescope as well. Mm. It would just carry, I were carrying too much gear. And I soon found that I were leaving the camera at home and just taking the scope out. And I thought, this. It's pointless. Why have I got this camera if I can't carry it around? Right. So that's where I sold the camera and went back to digiscoping. It only, this SLR thing probably lasted six months and I went back to digiscoping.
1: I can see that, especially for for shooting wildlife. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't wait to go on all my trips this year because I'll be able to bring my super long wildlife lens because I'll break it in half and put it in my regular case and carry my regular stuff. I don't have to think about, well. What am I going to do with this extra thirty pounds of, you know, of luggage that I've got to take yeah. with me? It's great. It's great. Well, um, you guys have anything to add before we wrap it up? What's um, how does somebody get into digiscoping? Do they go buy a scope? Can you rent a scope? What what do you do?
3: Well, uh, from from the the angle that I see it as, um, you can get in contact with people like myself or any of the guys on Facebook and ask you questions or you know private messages. And say, look, I've got a telescope. I've got this camera. Is there any way of joining the two together? Mm-hmm. Um, if not, there are. If you want to start from scratch with a budget, there are normally options at, at every price range. Yeah, um, that's another thing. Excuse me, to interrupt, yeah.
1: but the the price of a scope setup is roughly a third of what you would pay for that same well, five hundred millimeter lens.
3: For um, yeah, that's that's absolutely right, Rob. Um, in English pounds, um, the Probably a cost of a, a good 800mm lens and an SLR body. You're probably talking the reason, what, 13, 14 grand? Just something like that. That's for, f- sorry, 13, 14,000 pounds. Okay. We know what grand is. Yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. And, um, that's only 800mm. Yeah. Um, and that will be a full frame sensor, so there's no crop in it at all. A digiscope, as I've already said, you know, you're talking anywhere from thousand mil to two thousand mil startup and that'll be with a camera and adapter probably about three thousand pounds three and a half thousand pounds huge difference it's a huge difference and absolutely we live in we live in difficult times
1: yeah
2: off my if i were recommending anybody to start up digiscoping um the you obviously you've got to have you've got to have the scope or if you you, if you've got binoculars, it does work with binoculars, but the, the binoculars, the, you need a decent pair of binoculars to be able to do it. But what I would recommend to people is if they're just starting out, everyone's got a phone, you can buy adapters for a few pounds mm-hmm. and stick your, stick your phone onto the eyepiece of the scope mm-hmm. and start off that way and then feel like it progress to a, a bigger camera.
1: That's a great tip. What do you think?
0: I would highly recommend anyone getting into digiscoping um, contact. You know, through the internet, there's a Yahoo digiscoping group. Um, but you know, and most people that are going to get into scoping are birders, and most of those attend birding festivals. But I really would highly recommend attending a birding festival where the where the the vendors are set up, Swarovski and and the other vendors are set up. And because they're wonderful people, you know, when I got mine, I mean, I took mine out back for four hours. I was like, I thought, you know, they had no clue who I was, and they were wonderful people. And they spent a lot of time, they spent the entire weekend with me going through what I needed to know. You know, it's it's not a little investment. It is cheaper than the big lenses. I would highly recommend doing that, and you'll have a lot less frustration with it because it, it, it is a different beast, you know. And you need a good start off with knowledgeable people to to get you started. Right,
1: I, I think right. that's a great tip. I mean, whether it's your local camera club or, yeah. or some you know, um, trade scope. and events. Don't try Yeah, yeah. Right, I think you're right. gonna digiscope because you're gonna be frustrated. Sure, and especially honestly. if there's a nature photography group in yep. your town like the, um, I'm in Atlanta, we have the Georgia Nature Photographers Association and um, I was gonna say I don't know if anybody in my particular chapter that has a scope, but now I do, now I'm that guy. So, <laughs> you know, I can answer questions if people are interested and, and that's a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I've seen Clay. I, heck, I borrowed Clay scope probably three different times at three different events last year before I, you know, decided to get one. So um, the vendors are usually really good about that stuff. So great. Well, um, let's go around the table and, um, Danny, where are you looking forward to visiting and uh, shooting next? Um,
3: um, we, I think we're going to the, the Daytona 24-hour on Saturday afternoon. Nice. So um, I think that's a piece of um, modern American history that. Um, I'm not going to uh, get the chance to see again. So uh, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Very cool, very cool. Very yeah,
2: and in the, well, in the, in the future, uh, we've already been discussing it, maybe meeting up in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, been to, I've, I've One of my favorite countries is Spain for birding. The light's fantastic. The birds are fantastic, lots of birds. So possibly sometime in the future, all meeting up again another right. meeting
1: but on the
2: other side of the pond
1: nice obviously. the second annual world digiscoping yeah. meeting you like <laughs> in, <you>? Spain. <laughs> in Spain <laughs> I like it. Nice. There's, there's lots of good <laughs> Spanish
2: digiscopers cool lots of good ones interesting so uh, it'd be great to meet them yeah
1: yeah. they didn't come over here
2: no Robert tried yeah we tried here. to but yeah. uh, there,
0: is,
1: they, there, is, make
2: there it. is there is one there uh, is one but he, he actually lives over here now gotcha, gotcha. yeah
1: so how about you? What's next?
0: Well, there's there's some people that are staying behind. Um, the Paul Saya that makes the Digi adapter that everyone's crazy about right now, it's the adapter that fits the, the GH3 and GH4s to the cameras. He's staying behind for a week, and, uh, and a, a few of the other people that are here from the UK are staying behind. So we're going to um, hook up with them. I'm taking them to the 24 hour, the Rolex 24 hours. We're hooking up with Paul and Simon Brumby from the Netherlands and a few other people. Um, I'm fortunate to live here in Florida. Everybody's like <laughs> telling me how easy it is to digiscop,e and like you know, it's a it's the it's a great birding place here in the winter. And then I have a spring trip planned for Yellowstone, which is like my favorite place in the country to go scope. So nice. I've got a pretty full, you know, travel plan. I cool. love to travel. Yeah, man. no doubt, no <laughs> doubt.
1: Well, fellas, thanks a lot for being on the show. Take your time out of the first. World Digiscopers meeting to, to be on the show. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, well, Thank, you, thank you. Cheers. And if you like what you hear on Your Itinerary, please tell all your friends about it. And stop by iTunes and leave us a couple of stars and some positive feedback. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.
0: You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other TWIP shows and get on our mailing list. Become a TWIP member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on TWIP products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on your itinerary for travel and photography.